Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. The Parting Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Downloaded today, available for iOS and Android users in your app store. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me. And happy Halloween. We have a show that won't scare you. Charlie Volker will be on to talk about his retirement from the Albany Athletic Department. And we'll also reminisce about the Albany Colony Diamond Dogs. The Athletics' Joe Yurden drops by to talk about the Buffalo Sabres. And I'll preview Saturday's big Liberty League football showdown between Union and Ithaca with Dutchman quarterback William Bellamy. First, we're getting set for semifinal action in Section 2 football, and we had a wild night last Friday. To break it all down as Daily Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly. Mike, welcome back to the show. Ken, thanks for having me. Well, just let's talk about, before we get into the semifinals uh, this weekend, Friday night was just a crazy night in A regular season finale. You know, Schenectady ends up scoring a late touchdown to win, and that puts him in a shot to maybe get in the playoffs and then you know, all of a sudden CBA scores late and knocks Schenectady out of the playoffs. And it set up a wild scenario where he had to go through some tiebreakers. A lot of tiebreakers, right. Yeah. We, we ended up having four double A teams tie for the final two playoff spots. Um, and, you know, and really a scenario that I don't know how many people were prepared for because it kind of seemed like, you know, Gilliland was, was likely to beat CPA. That was kind of what people expected. And then everybody was kind of figuring things out from there. Uh, so CBA, you know, beating Gilliland was a surprise and also in the fashion they did. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, I think it's the best at the Gazette about till 1130 or so to sort everything out from that Friday night. So, you know, it was, it was a pretty wild night. Maybe I might have was trying to get all the stories in, in the paper and all that stuff. But it was, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just, I find it ironic that, you know, Schenectady scores late to, you know, to, to win that game. And then CBA does the same thing even later than what Schenectady did. It just, I mean, it just made for an exciting uh, finish to the regular season. Especially, you know, if you were, you know, if you're somebody who's following along, that Schenectady game started earlier than the CBA game. So, you know, Schenectady wins and, you know, there's, you know, a lot of you know, confidence, optimism, you know, about them potentially making the playoffs. Uh, you know, and then about an hour after that game, obviously the wild finish happens. Uh, you know, so there, there was added drama from uh, just the times that the games were played at as well. Well, let's look at the uh, Class AA matchups Friday night. CBA goes to Shenandoah and Gilderland visits Shaker. Uh, it seems like it would be both home teams winning and setting up a Shen Shaker Super Bowl. Right. And, you know, I think, I mean, we've been, it feels like we've been heading toward that for, you know, the last five or six weeks at least. Um, you know, CBA and Shen played a couple weeks ago. That was a game that Shen won fairly easily. Probably be tougher this time around, you know, after the teams have seen each other. Um, you know, meanwhile, Gilliland and Shaker, they played all the way back in week one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, in a game that Shaker ended up winning a decent amount, but that it was competitive into the second half. So it should be two good games Friday night. Who are you picking? Uh, I'll go uh, the Shen Shaker Super Bowl. I think, uh, you know, I think before the season, that's what people would have picked. I think this season pretty much played out, uh, you know, the regular season 
pretty much played out how how you would expect. Uh, so I don't see any reason to, to switch up from uh, from Shen versus Shaker for uh, Week Ten. Well, over at Class A, uh, Burn Hills, uh, Boston Lake—they're not dead yet. I mean, the t- defending champions in Class AA, or sorry, Class A, ends up going on the road to April Park last week and pulling off a 17-7 win, setting up a showdown again with Queensbury on Saturday up at Queensbury. Yeah, and it kind of sets up a similar situation to a year ago with those two teams where Queensbury won in the regular season. They meet again in the playoffs. Burnt Hills won that playoff game a year ago. Uh, you know, so that's, you know, you know it, it, it's easy to look at the way that Queensbury handled Burnt Hills a couple weeks ago and think that they're on to the Super Bowl. Um, but that should be, I mean, that should be a super competitive game, especially with Burnt Hills getting uh, its quarterback uh, back from injury. They didn't have him for that first game. Uh, you know, it should be, you know, just kind of another classic Burn Hills-Queensbury game that we're kind of not used to. And we're talking about Ryan Salisbury. It was, we had the game on here at the office on uh, Spectrum 9, and we were surprised to see him come back because he had broken his uh, people, I believe, in uh, against Balsa Spa uh, earlier this year. And you know, to see him come back, I mean, that, that, that had to give the, the uh, Burn Hills a big lift going into that game against Sable Park. Yeah, well, you know, it's that old – Saying anytime your quarterback comes back from a broken leg after a few weeks, it's, uh, it's really good for you. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen something similar like that happen in Section Two, where a quarterback, you know, has such a serious injury and is able to come back in the same season. Um, you know, it's, it's a really impressive, kind of stunning story. Um, and obviously, it's going to help Burn Hills a lot. Uh, you know, assuming he can stay healthy and, and play for the rest of this year. The other A matchup will be Friday night as Boston Spa will visit Troy. Boston Spa, and obviously a lot of distractions last week with their head coach being put on a, on leave following a DWI arrest, but uh, they, they came through with a 35-12 win over Amsterdam. Uh, what do you expect in that game against Troy? Two hard-hitting teams. Um, you know, I think the styles interact uh, in an interesting way, where, you know, especially when Boston Spa is on defense, and just kind of, you know, that, that Troy offensive attack is, is so explosive. I think that's, you know, that, that's the side of the, uh, the ball that, that's the most interesting is the Troy offense versus the ball spot defense. Um, you know, personally, right now, I kind of feel like those are the best, or those are the two teams who are playing the best right now. Um, Queensbury obviously would have a lot to, to say about that counter to that. Um, but I think that Boston Spot Troy matchup is, uh, I mean, that's, that's a Super Bowl caliber matchup here in week nine. Yeah, Troy put up 48 against Scotia uh, last week. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, and, and Boston Spot is so good defensively. Um, and it's so hard hitting um, that, you know, just that's, that's kind of one of those, those dream games to go watch just with the, the way those styles are going to collide. Uh, who, who are your picks? I'm going to go with a Boston Spa versus Queensberry Super Bowl. Um, and I have no confidence that I'm right about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not, you're not, you're, you, can pretty much, you can talk me into any combination of those four teams, but I'll go Boston Spa Queensberry. Okay, we'll see what happens uh, with that pick. Uh, Class B, I think the, the big matchup we're going to watch uh, is going to take place Saturday in Glens Falls. Holy Trinity, uh, they're in B this year. Going up against the state champs, uh, Glens Falls. Um, this is where I think Holy Trinity losing the shower probably hurts them a little bit, and now they got to see how they can handle uh, facing the state champs. Yeah, I mean Glens Falls. You know, I think I think a lot of people expected Glens Falls to take a step back. 
um, after, you know, they, they had Joseph Girard last year leading them, playing quarterback. Uh, instead, Glenn Falls has just been a machine all season. They probably had a little bit of a better regular season this year than they did a year ago. Um, meanwhile, Holy Trinity, I mean, that offense, I mean, we're just talking about Troy and how explosive they are. Um, you know, with, Holy Trinity within its own, you know, within each classification, you know, pound for pound, uh, that's the most explosive offense in Section 2. Um, so, I mean, it should be a great game. It's a game that we expected to see in Week 10 before, as you mentioned, that slip-up that Holy Trinity had at Shalma with kind of some extenuating circumstances in the first half of that game, not having a few players. Um, but this is, I think I said it last week, this is this is a state title uh, caliber game, and uh, I expect that's what you get on Saturday. The other matchup will take place Friday in Class B. Schuylerville visits Shalmont. Uh, I mean, Shalmont's playing well right now. As they can, can they knock off Schuylerville? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we've talked about this. Where you know, early in this season, it was it was kind of easy to write off Shalmont, and then these last several weeks, all they've done is win, and they've won, you know, in impressive fashion. Uh, meanwhile, Schuylerville, you know, their lone loss is, is against Glens Falls. They've been great all year. Um, you know, you expect this to be a hard-hitting matchup. I think there's a lot of motivation on both sides. Um, I imagine this is a lower-scoring game on Friday. Maybe it's going to be similar to, uh, you know, like a Burton Hills-Queensbury-style game that you know, we'd expect something in the 20s, um, but it should be entertaining. And your picks are? I'm going to take Holy Trinity versus Skylerville in Class B. Uh, Going with the road teams. You know, What's that? Going with the road teams. Going with the road team in both matchups. Um, similar to Class A, you could really talk me into you know any combination of these four teams. Um, I just see that Holy Trinity offense being enough to, to get it done. And I think Schuylerville has been so consistent the last six, seven weeks that I like them in that matchup. Okay. Let's move over to Class C. Uh, Friday night, Greenwich will visit Stillwater. And on Saturday, Tamarack goes to Cambridge-Salem. I mean, to me, it looks like it's going to be like a Stillwater-Cambridge uh, final. Yeah, I think, that, I, mean, I, think, I think that's right. I think Cambridge definitely gets there. I, I think Tamarack had a, a great season. Was kind of expecting they could maybe pull that upset last week against Water Belief. Um, Cambridge, though, I think is just – I think they're extremely tough. I think they had kind of a scare last week in the first half of that game against Morrisville. Um, that I would expect them to be able to get through this one. Uh, that Stillwater-Greenwich game is a lot of fun all of a sudden because Greenwich last week, um, you know, they went 45-7 to against Fonda. That's what Stillwater did the previous week against Fonda. So those look like two teams who are pretty evenly matched. Your picks are? Uh, still, I, I mean, I'll, I'll take Stillwater versus Cambridge. Um, I think that that Stillwater-Greenwich game, though, has potential to be a lot of fun Friday night. Um, I, I, that one might be the most competitive semifinal that we have. And in Class D, which will take place Saturday at Schuylerville, uh, the first game at 1 o'clock, Helderberg Valley takes on Warrensburg, and then Chatham at White, against Whitehall at 7 o'clock. Uh, who do you like there? Yeah, I, I think, again, this is another class where we're pretty much – you know, back in August, we could have decided who was going to be in this game, probably. Um, I would take Warrensburg versus Chatham. Um, Warrensburg, I think, definitely gets there. Uh, Chatham has a tougher test with Whitehall. 
But, uh, you know, I would take Chatham in that game, uh, you know, by, you know, probably a couple touchdowns. And I think that's the, the Super Bowl you see in Class B is Warrensburg versus Chatham. Okay. Well, Mike, appreciate it. We'll do this again uh, next week as we prepare for uh, Super Bowl action uh, next Friday and Saturday. One more chance to get it all wrong. Thanks, That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Uh, coming up, I'll speak with Charlie Volker, who just retired from the UAlbany Athletic Department. You're listening to the Body Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. Hi, this is Hunter Moffitt, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs. Positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletics. Notable Trophy Case team members include Dan Nolan, President and CEO of Hugh Johnson Advisors, owner of the Albany Empire, who says, Trophy Case is an innovative platform that has great potential for athletes. Nolan said, The feedback and experience brings value to athletes, parents, and sports affiliates in one network. I simply think of this as a combination of Instagram and LinkedIn for athletes. You can download the Trophy Case app at the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback. Trophy Case, the app created for athletes, by athletes. Get it today. Hi, this is Albany football coach Greg Atuso. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the Party Shots podcast. I've known my next guest since 1997 when he became general manager of the late, great Albany Colony Diamond Dogs of the Northeast League. He has been associated with the UAlbany Athletic Department since 1996 in a variety of roles, from broadcasting to associate athletic director for external affairs. He recently announced his retirement at the ripe old age of 55. Yeah, right, ripe old age. <laughs> Please welcome Charlie Volker to the broadcast. Charlie, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Ken. That is quite an introduction, so thank you. I'm 50. I just turned 56. I'm, I'm, no way I'm retiring at 55. I don't know. We'll, we'll ask about that for <laughs> about that yeah, in a minute. Okay. But um, I, I, I'm not retiring. It's just a, it's just a new role. Now, what, why the heck are you? What, what, okay, what is this new role if you're not retiring? You're, did you strike your rich in the lottery? Are you able to do uh, some fun stuff? No. I, I, you know, it just it was one of those things where at New York State, you hit the retirement age at 55. And, you know, just like the Diamond Dogs was for me, I had been at Time Warner for 10 years. I certainly never expected to be at UAlbany for, you know, 23, 24 years in different roles. Um, so I just figured I had one good career left in me and thought the timing was right. And uh, so that's where we're going to, that's how it's going to proceed. Well, you joined UAlbany full-time in 2003. I mean, how much fun was, was working for it? And, you, of course, you're a graduate of the, of the school. So how much fun was, was it? Great. Yeah, it, it, you know it was it was different than the Diamond Dogs, and it took me a um, a while to to go because I went from the Diamond Dogs to the Black Bears and Pittsfield, and you know it, in minor league baseball, especially independent baseball, you know the the players are really more of a commodity, and then when you come over to you know athletics in the collegiate level, you know there's a lot to you know, yes, success on the court and on the field is, is wonderful. But when you see the 
young man, young lady graduate and they move on to great jobs and they come back with their families. Um, I think that that's like the coolest thing that I've gotten to see. Championships have been great. I've been there for a lot, but to see them grow up and, and have their families and, and be successes, I think, and then athletics helped them out. I think that that was really, that was really cool for me. I mean, how important was you Albany to you? And as I mentioned, you were the uh, general manager of the Diamond Dogs serving there from 1997 to 2001. Uh, the ownership group that let you go after the 2001 season, uh, they tried to get you in some trouble, accusing you of maybe uh, taking money from the team. Yeah, you know, that charges that he proved to be unfounded. So, I mean, was and you mentioned going to the Black Bears. I mean, but how important was it to get back to you Albany? I mean, how important was that for your confidence in your psyche? Um, you know, the, the good thing was that the, all the guys in the Northern League really supported me, except for you know, the owners that made false charges. And when they got proven wrong, I mean, I had a couple opportunities. I just didn't want to stay in minor league baseball. A couple of reasons. I had a, you know, a, a young son. I didn't really feel like doing the summer thing uh, again. And, you know, I had an opportunity with Lee McElroy said, you know, come on over here and help us. It was something different. It was uh, just like it is now, a reinvention, a new opportunity for me. So, um, it was extremely important. Um, my psyche was good. My, you know, at, at the time, so it was a, I was pretty confident moving into the role, and uh, it was great for me because during that really early stages of Division One, I had been there from the transition of Division Two to Division One. So it was a lot like minor league baseball. Hey, get people in the stands, let people have fun, expose people to your product. And uh, I really had a, I had a great time doing that. Man, you worked your way up there from, you know, when you, I think you were involved with the ticket sales to me and, uh, you know, yeah. working your way up. I mean, I mean, just be able to work your way up into a position that you had there. I mean, I mean, how much fun was that? It was great. You know, it was, again, it's like any, you know, dream where you say, hey, if I work hard, uh, I'll be rewarded for it. And every step of the way, whether it was getting my bachelor's degree, my master's degree, um, everything I've done at UAlbany, every time I worked hard, I got rewarded for it. And, um, you know, they're like family. I mean, they're just, I'll have friends from there for my life, my whole life. So, um, and student athletes, I mean, you know, the, those, those kind of friendships, um, are amazing, you know, when they grow up and all of a sudden, um, they're contemporaries and their peers and it's, it's nice. Well, let's talk about the diamond dogs. I'm not sure if a lot of our listeners, <laughs> We'll remember them, but they were part of that Northeast League that came in after the Albany Colony Yankees left for Norwich, Connecticut, following the 1994 season. Uh, the Northeast League merged with the Northern League in 1999 to really form a Northern League East Conference. Um, yeah, we, we when it, you and I were texting back and forth to set this interview up. We mentioned you mentioned that was the yeah tw- this, this is the 20 years uh, back in September was 20 yeah. years since uh, uh, the Diamond Dogs won the Northern League championship uh, over Winnipeg in four games against the quote-unquote mighty Northern League. They thought they were full of themselves, and they found out <laughs> that Northeast League teams yeah. were, were a lot better than them. But I don't think they ever in that, that four, like three or four years, they never won that title. But um, no. yeah, what, my, what memories do you have from those years of the Diamond Dogs, especially uh, the 1999 season? You know, um, I, I think, obviously, uh, my memory of John Mueller never ended since he ended up with me at Albany for the last uh, <laughs> 18 years or so, and still there, kicking. Um, but, you know, honestly, um, the, the greatest thing about the Diamond Dogs to me and the players were wonderful in the event, but 
but the fans, like really, you know, host families and people that were at the ballpark all the time. And I see some of them around town over the years and um, have seen some and they're just so gracious and so wonderful and they were such good-hearted people uh, and they were really the heartbeat of Heritage Park. It was a very, very, very special place. And, um, you know, it's funny, I'm, you're probably well aware, but it looks like Major League Baseball wants to go to some type of independent league thing and cut down the number of leagues that they have and affiliations yeah. mm-hmm. that they have. And, and it's funny how, you know, things are circular that way. But it was I, I, it was one of the greatest times um, I had um, professionally to be able to really uh, meet fans and and, and uh, get to know them on a night to night basis. And they, these people um, taking players into their houses. These players are making like nine hundred dollars a month, some of them, um, and they needed places, cheap places to live. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah. Francisco Cabrera coming in late in the 1997 season, the hero for the Atlanta Braves in the 1992 NLCS against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah. And then 99, Raphael Belliard comes in and you know, provides that veteran leadership. I mean, a lot of you – know, and the one thing I loved about the North, Northeast League slash Northern League, I mean, there were there were trades. People were released. Kid, uh, you know, the trades were being made. I mean, I remember Paul Radish, popular player, got traded uh, away. And yeah. that – and. Uh, yeah, of course, uh, you weren't there in 95, but the big brawl between the Diamond Dogs and the Adirondack Lumberjacks in the uh, Northeast League Finals in Game 3 at Heritage was a, a sight to behold. And one thing I remember about that 99 season, especially in the playoffs, uh, was I remember Game 5 against in the semifinals against Adirondack, Northern League uh, East uh, semifinals. Yeah. It, it was a rainy night, and the game yeah. started a little bit late. And then I what yeah, I remember, started, started at like 9 o'clock. Yeah, and what I vividly remember was like the fourth or fifth inning and it started to rain again. And Adirondack trainer Donnie Woods waves his team off the field because it's raining. And the umpires are looking at him and looking at each other. And all of a sudden, okay, we're, let's spit the tarp out. And I just like, and of course, game ends. They ended up getting the game in at one o'clock in the morning. Diamond Dogs win. And they got to turn around and play uh, the New Jersey Jackals uh, the next that next day. And, uh, and uh, I just remember how bizarre of a night that was and just you know getting the trying to get a, a game story in for the uh, second edition it was just it's just, just that was I mean, that was that was just a fun night i mean a crazy night but a it fun was. night yeah and it was foggy and there were probably 200 people left by the time the game ended <laughs> yeah. but that's what i mean about the 200 dedicated fans i mean there was just a dedicated group of people i mean we drew some huge numbers especially in like 98 97 98 99 um, 2000. I mean, we drew some big, big crowds and some, you know, great attendance numbers, and it was fun. It was, and you know, honestly, it's like I go over to the Valley Cats, and Rick, Rick Murphy's even better. I mean, he, they draw great crowds over there, and they have fantastic, you know, uh, things for the kids. I mean, it's just, it's like the Diamond Dogs on steroids over <laughs> there. It's, it's fantastic, and that's a lot of fun. You know, it's a, it's a great ballpark, and. And you see all those kind of great things of people really enjoying minor league baseball in this area. I mean, I, I think yeah, the, what ended up killing the Diamond Dogs with the Valley. I mean, I, I I love going to a Tri City. I mean, I enjoy the experience over there, but it's more about developing these players because obviously the good players aren't sticking around, and that's what yeah, I think. The, yeah. I mean, I think the fans understand that, but I, I I miss the fact that you're there to win, and that's yeah, what was I, a good, and honestly that was the really cool thing about independent baseball. It gave me a a great ed- education in scouting and, 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 you know, doing transactions and doing contracts with major league teams. I mean, th- those are experiences people never get. 
so it, it was a lot of fun to be able to do that and to be able to, you know, help put together teams, sell players to organizations, talk to scouts about which players on your team are performing, which ones that you think are over the hill and, and so forth. I mean, you know, we had a great time at the press box. You know, Rich File was working for the Troy Record, yeah. uh, the late Maureen Kelly at the Times Union. Yeah. And you figure out some of the people, you know, Ari Wolf's the national broadcaster. He would broadcast the yeah. Diamond Dogs. Jacob Van Ryan, now commissioner for one of the, I think, Northeast 10 League. Um, yeah. yeah. And then you, you look at, I look at Kevin Burkhart, who was with the New Jersey Jackals. Now, yeah, exactly. I still uh, talk to Kevin. I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. And I mean, just a great, great guy. There were a lot of people and a lot of coaches. I mean, Raphael Belliard was in the Tigers' dugout for, you know, years, and, and he's still involved. I don't think he's with the Tigers. I think he's with the Rangers now. But, I mean, a lot of really great players that, you know, turned out to become coaches, high school coaches. Tommy Tegler's a, a high school football coach. I hear from him every once in a while. You know, Mueller's been a Division One coach for 18 years. Um, so there's a lot of guys that, you know, went through the league that were extremely successful uh, in, in other baseball capacities. What was the fun part of being the GM of the dogs? You know, I think, the, as I said, the winning and the fans, I mean, it was a really cool thing. I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a real family atmosphere. Um, you know, it was, it, Tom Sullivan was the best owner I could have ever asked for. Um, you know, he just, he owned two teams, uh, you know, it wasn't about making money. We were just trying to make ends meet, just trying to keep the show on. It was, you know, we considered ourselves the circus, and we had a we had a great great atmosphere, and that was that was the most fun about it. I mean, you mentioned I mentioned you mentioned the crowds. I mean, I remember that one fireworks night in July, and you guys had like over eight thousand people, and you could not move. We we didn't even bother leaving the press box that night till we had to go downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling somebody about the the tornado game. Yeah. Oh, that's where right. We, yeah, I remember that. The 1997. Oh my God. Yeah. That I'm trying to cheat him out of a playoff spot. And that was that was uh, like in to play two halves. Yeah, it was like in June or something like that. I mean, that's uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, sorry. We I forget. played two halves, and the the Mad Dogs were a game behind us. And uh, true story. Um, Bob Kovacic called me from News Channel 13 and said, hey, Roger says you guys got a stadium full of people. You better clear them out because there's bad weather coming. So I went to the umpires and told them, and I, I, I think Harry Friedenberg was behind the plate. He was he was he had his mask off and running into the clubhouse before I could finish telling him the forecast. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I remember we went they, down to the clubhouse too, and we were just standing there, and somebody then opened the door, and you could see all – things flying around and you know I, I, mean, I don't think we realized I mean I didn't realize I mean I drove home uh that night I mean there were branches down on uh 155 there get going towards uh uh you know Schenectady then get on route five and it's like oh okay it was, like, it was raining and all that stuff but then you heard what happened in Mechanicville and I was like oh my god they were sure. right to getting us out of there well we did have like later when the end of that we had the one tree fall on the road where our fans exit. So we were sort of lucky that we cleared the ballpark when we did, um, because somebody could have gotten really hurt. And, um, it, but you know, it was, that was, that was an adventure. The outfield fence signs going all over the place. George Scott sitting, he's not going to move and his whole entire team running out to their clubhouse. They heard tornado. They were out. Well, so it was a pretty funny thing. I don't think you're, you know, we ended up working with 
George the next year. <laughs> well, I think with George Scott, I mean, I don't think the tornado would have moved him, you know. <laughs> no, and I think he knew that. So. Uh, what are your plans? I mean, you're going to just enjoy life for a little bit, or you got a job lined up or anything like that? Uh, lined up right now? No, I'm, I'm looking at some opportunities and going to figure out uh, what's the best opportunity for my, my next act uh, in there. And as I said, you know, 55 is young. Um, I've got some nice benefits coming from New York State. Um, and, um, you know, the, the basic thing is I want to find a, a, you know, a full time. I want to I want to work. I want to go at it and I want to find another career and uh, something I'm going to enjoy and something that's, uh, you know, in line of the things that I've done. What are you going to miss about you, Albany, the most? Uh, people. People, the coaches, the student-athletes, everybody. I mean, I love the place. Uh, I, it's love the place. Okay, well, so it's, well it's a real hard thing to leave, yeah. but it's also, you know, sometimes you got to say, hey, this is the best thing for me right now. Well, Charlie, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I mean, enjoy what you're going to do. I mean, the quote-unquote, I mean, let's call it the uh, temporary retirement. How's that sound? Well, if you get yourself a T-shirt with the temporary retirement tour and the dates on, or like, like the one time, the one thing I except go back to Diamond Dogs. Like, I remember, I think it was some trades between the Diamond Dogs Lumberjacks one year, and I was like saying, I think I wrote, you can't tell the difference between a Diamond Jacks or Lumber Dogs, and I think I ended up making, being on a T-shirt. So I was like, I was happy I got on a, something I'd said right, got on a T-shirt. Well, I think that's when we <laughs> traded Joe Mariano for Victor Villa. Yeah, that might have been it. Well, Charlie, again, thank you very much for coming on, and it was great reminiscing uh, with you, and it's a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Okay, that's Charlie Volker. Up next, we'll talk Buffalo Sabres hockey with the Athletics' Joe Yurden. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. Hey, pro football fans. It's time again to match wits with other pro football fans and win a prize by playing the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em football game, sponsored by River Sportsbook. To play... Go to dailygazette.com slash football and make your picks before the first game kicks off each week. If you have the most weekly points, you earn a $100 gift card to ShopRite. Play every week and you can win the grand prize of $1,000. Play the Daily Gazette's You Pick em Football game, sponsored by River Sportsbook, at dailygazette.com slash football. Hi, this is Harborside Hal Wafer. I'm the manager of the River Sportsbook at Rivers Casino and Resort. Now, it's always a winning bet to listen to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the Parting Shots podcast. Joining me now to talk Buffalo Sabres hockey, he's Joe Yurden of The Athletic. Joe, hey, what's going on? Kenny, always a good time to talk to you, my man. How are right. you doing? I'm doing well. Can't complain. It's uh, you know, end of October. I turned 56 last week. I'm getting old and uh, gray. Of course, if I had any hair, I'd be uh, really gray. 
Well, if, if it's any consolation, I, you ain't seen me in a while. Uh, my, my hair's trying to run away too, but it's uh, so at least mostly still hanging around uh, noticeably. So I'll, I'll take the win while I can. Yeah. So as we tape this podcast on uh, October 29th, the Buffalo Sabers are in first place. Boston is playing on, on the night of the 29th against San Jose. So this, you know the standings could change by, between now and the time I post this podcast on Thursday. But the Sabers off to a nine-two and two start. A pleasant surprise under a first-year coach, Ralph Kruger. Yeah, it's it's been it's been pretty remarkable, honestly. It, 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 it's it's been equal parts remarkable and also uh, something that's gotten everybody to be a little bit kind of kind of holding, you know, biting their tongue a little bit here because uh, they remember the ten-game win streak last season and how excited everybody got about that. So now everybody's like, well, let's. We'll see how this shakes out. This is awfully early in the year, so it's. Uh, but I, I think I think everybody's really happy with the effort that this team's put in, and I think they really like the the, the, the mood around the team too. Because it seems like everybody's very laid back, very very easygoing, and very very um, cognizant that there's a that there's a big there's a big season ahead of them. I mean, obviously, Ralph Kruger. We, we talked about this uh, back in the summer when he was hired. Uh, had been out of hockey for a while. Was actually working uh, overseas with uh, with Premier League soccer. What has he brought to this club that was lacking with uh, Phil Housley? Well, I think what he's what he's done is that he's he's kept it positive, you know. And it's not positive in the way that everything is, you know, sunshine and rainbow. Uh, because you know that kind of positivity can lead you down a bad road. But uh, he's been able to, to 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 focus on the good things that guys are doing, even if there's struggles, there's mistakes, or whatnot. I mean, you know, every every hockey game is going to have have you know like 20, 20 mistakes at least, you know, in total. So you know, harping on the mistakes isn't something that 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 works so well. So focusing on what guys are doing well and playing to, and playing that up and saying, you know, listen. We're, we're doing this. We're you know we're trying to make things happen here. We're going to do it this way. Let's try to work on these things and making those better while we try to get other other parts to to, to the game uh, to improve. And I think that's that goes a long way. And far as as far as like the psychological side of of hockey, because it is such a long season and there are so many games and there's so many practices and there's everything everything that you can do where you can you can get worn out by it. And Ralph's finding a different approach in, in how to in how to attack this so it, it seems to be working right now i mean we'll, we'll see what happens if they you know if when they hit an extended you know losing streak or you know you know the, the winds come few and far between we'll see what it's we'll see what it's like then but for right now I, it, everything seems to be clicking in the right direction jack eichel you know first round draft pick uh he's been a good player but it seems you know he's 13 games so far seven goals 10 assists is he starting to take his game to that other level now? Yeah, it sure seems that way. He's, you know, we've seen it in flashes in the past where you know he can just take over a game. He can, he can, he can just be an all-around threat. But you know, the, so far this year, it seems like every time he's on the ice, 
he looks about a half step faster than everybody. He looks like he's on he's on top of everything that he's doing, and you know his line mates are going right along with it. It's not that that's been a problem in the past. I mean, we saw it last year their line was his line with Jeff Skinner and Sam Reinhardt was was one of the best in the league. Even when it was Jason Bominville instead of Sam Reinhardt, that line was was dominant. But uh, but this year Jack seems to be on a on a whole other level, and I. If there's if there's something that I know that Jack wants to work on to get better, he wants to score a little bit more on the road. The road, you know, the road scoring is a little tougher. The matchups are different, but I mean, you know, he's had two four point games already this season. I mean, that, that's that's some pretty remarkable stuff to see early on. We'll see what happens when the defenses tighten up and the games get a little tighter, and you know, the, this playoff rate starts to evolve. We'll see. We'll see what that gets to be like because they haven't had that experience yet. Yeah, and I'm just looking at his uh, career stats and his next game is going to be his 300th game it's just like seems like yesterday he just started playing yeah and it, it's wild to think that he's he's had a couple of chunks of uh time missing because of ankle injuries and you know the fact that we're at game 300 already for his career is it, it's bonkers to me it seems it seems like yesterday i was watching him make his debut here and uh the fact that we're already up to game 300 is wild and i think you know that that's the positive spin on that. The negative spin on it is that boy, three hundred games and he hasn't had a had a shot in a playoff race yet. Is you know that, that, that that's that, that's pretty amazing in itself. But you know things are starting to turn around and things are starting to look in a more positive light. That's good. I mean, it seems like there is some scoring balance this year. I mean, Sam Reinhardt's got eleven points. Jeff Skinner's got ten. Uh, Victor Olofsson's also have 10. Rasmus uh, Dahlin's got 10. So it seems like maybe he doesn't have to carry the load. Uh, maybe he's playing a lot more relaxed. Yeah, no, and that's that's been the case. I, I think this is where uh, the, the, the signing of Marcus Johansson in the offseason has been such a huge help because you know, you've been able to have him on a, you know on a separate line with Jeff Skinner uh, as opposed to last year where like you know like I said it was you know Skinner Eichel and Reinhardt and, and or or bust you know that line didn't score they weren't gonna win and you know if they're not scoring nobody's happy mm-hmm. uh, instead in this case you know you've got these guys you know, helping out and, and helping carry the load. What's also helps is that the power play has just been, you know, lights out to start the season. And it's, you know, it's, it, that top unit's amazing, but it's also that, you know, you're getting, you know, Johansson, you're getting middle stack, you're getting Connor Sherry to help out on that second unit. So it's, you know, you don't want to rely on power play scoring all season long because, you know, that, that, that doesn't usually hold up all year, but I mean, you know, goals are goals. Goals goals help you win the game. So, you know, wherever the offense is coming in, you'll take it. But you want to see more, <clears throat> excuse me, you want to see more at five on five. But, but man, I mean, the, the way the power play unit score is pretty impressive. Yeah. And the goaltending has been pretty good, too. I mean, Carter Hutton, 2.21 goals against average. Uh, uh, Saber set is a 926. Linus Olmark, you know, 2.56 GAA and a 932 save percentage. So you, still, you have to, yeah, it's a nice balance in the goaltending. Yeah. And, yeah, those kinds of numbers will win you a Jennings Trophy for for fewest allowed. That's for sure. Uh, but you know, we, we you know these guys have already had three shutouts. Hutton's had two. Olmark just had one against uh, Detroit uh, last week. So this is uh, it, it's nice to see that these guys just jump right out to it. And you know, I think you know they they've already given some. You know, them and Kruger have given Mike Bales, you know, new assistant coach who's, you know, he's worked with Marc-Andre Fleury, worked with the Carolina Hurricanes the last couple of years. Uh, He's really helped them out, you know, 
coach, coaching wise and goaltending and you know the way that he's get these he gets these guys to kind of calm down because you know things get frantic when you play goal this isn't like you know the old Marty Brodeur days where you know it was 15 saves and a yawn yeah. uh, kind of stuff I mean there's a lot of chances out there but these guys are playing very well and I think you know a lot of that credit goes to them for putting in the work but it's it's Mike Bales doing a lot of that help too what do you think is going to be the key Joe for this team if they hit a patch of adversity especially you know midway through or even late in the season when they're battling for a playoff spot what do you think the key is going to be for them to not let that affect them and you know try to overcome it well i think it's it's all going to be on keeping their heads on straight honestly it's you know we always talk about you know gripping the sticks too tight if you know if the goals aren't going in or stressing out when the puck's in your own zone if if defense or the goaltending's letting you down it's you know it's really the psychological part of this i mean we I've seen this happen over the years here, where you know if a, you know if a bad goal is allowed, or uh, you know, or if they're not scoring, that you know the, the heads go in the tank right away, and that's you know that'll stop you from doing anything positively. I think I think that's going to be the biggest test for them is that when a cold cold snap happens and you know losing streak hits, how do they how do they handle that? How does Ralph get them to turn you know turn that part of their brain off that's been so active here, you know, since they last made the play. Playoffs. I mean, it's a citywide thing too. It's not just the players, but you know, they haven't made the playoffs since 2011. And you know, when when those hard times hit, it's going to be a real good test to see how Ralph keeps those heads on straight. I mean, he's a motivational speaker. He, you know, he's able to hit all the right notes. He's been able to push all the right buttons so far. But how that how that changes, I think that's going to be a very interesting test to see how this works because you know, this team's kind of the same as it was last year. And when things got bad after the the, the win streak. It stayed bad, and I think that's gonna that's gonna be a huge moment. Is when you know if you lose two, three, four in a row, how they handle and how they handle those that that roller coaster when it drops. I was going to ask you about some RPI hockey since you have uh, your ties there. I mean, they're off to a one and one start. ECAC splitting with Union, three and three starts. Not a really I mean, not a bad start for this team. I mean, what what do you like? Have you had a chance to you know, see what they're doing? I've been able to watch some box scores and some highlights here and there. Um, I, it, it's encouraging to see to see them kind of get off like this. I, I you know, I know that after last season things were really down, <laughs> and um, you know, but I think that was you know a lot of that was just part of you know Dave Smith coming in, and you know he still had like that hangover of you know what happened after Seth got let go, and you got changeover, you got all that stuff going on. And now this is this really feels a lot more like it's like it's Dave's team, and I think we're going to see that kind of round in a form a little bit here. It might help out that you know the the early part of the schedule maybe not quite so difficult. I know you have to go deal with UMass, and that's that's no fun. A doubleheader at Union's not fun. Although I know Union's having a having a rough start themselves, but um, but it, I'm going to be very interested to see where this goes for for, for RPI because it's I mean. You know, listen. The, you don't make a, you don't make a coaching change without without thinking you're gonna you're gonna turn things around and get it back on the upside. But um, yeah, things have gotten pretty low in Troy when it comes to, when it comes to the engineers. So it's you know it seems like there's nowhere to go but up. But you got to get up some at some point. You you got to start climbing up the ladder. Yeah, uh, Joe. Where can people follow you on Twitter? You can find me at Joe Yerden on Twitter. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm a loudmouth, and, I, and I'm never shutting up about the Sabres. You can find me there, and you can also find me at The Athletic, uh, covering the Sabres there for, for them. Yeah. Well, Joe, I appreciate you coming on for a few years to talk some Sabres hockey. We'll do it again sometime soon. 
Yeah, you got it, Kenny. Anytime, man. Okay, that's Joe Yurden of The Athletic. Up next, the Union and Ithaca football teams battle for first place in the Liberty League on Saturday. And Dutchman quarterback William Bellamy joins me to talk about the game. You're listening to the Party Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. Hi, this is Hunter Moffat, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs. Positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletes. Notable Trophy Case team members include Ron Jaworski, former NFL quarterback and founder of Jaws Youth Playbook, who says, Throughout my success in the sports world, I believe Trophy Case can bring value to many different levels of athletes and unrepresented sports. This platform will level the playing field for athletes at the beginning of their career with technology for generations to come. You can download the Trophy Case app and the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback. Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Get it today. Hi, this is Union College football coach Jeff Behrman. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette associate sports editor Ken Schott. Back here on the Parting Shots podcast, there's a big Liberty League football game Saturday as the top two teams in the league battle for first place. Union 4-0 and 7-0 takes on Ithaca with the same record, and that the game will be at Ithaca. And the quarterback of the J- Dutchman, Junior William Bellamy, is here to talk about the game. William, uh, thanks for coming on the Parting Shots podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, big game Saturday, first place. Uh, how excited is this team? You know, obviously have to go to Ithaca to play this game. I mean, how exciting is it? You know, uh, these, this is why you come to Union College, uh, to have the opportunity to play in games like this. And, you know, this is a very exciting game because our school hasn't been in this situation in a very long time. So our team knows the opportunity at hand, and we're just fired up to get on the field and take it to them. And this is an Ithaca team that's posted shutouts in his last two games, won by a combined score of 93 to nothing. It's, that sounds intimidating, but how do you overcome that? You know, I think we have a lot of weapons on offense, and I think our defense has been playing stout all season long. Um, you know, with a with a running game like ours and a passing game, having that balance, I think is very efficient and productive. And uh, going into this game, we're also, as an offense, we're a year older. Last year we had uh, a freshman starting at running back. Our leading receiver was a freshman, and the rest of us were sophomores. So I think there's a, there's a new sense of maturity on our offense. And... Uh, we're just excited to get on the field. Yeah, the, yeah not only Ithaca and Union, the top two teams in the league in, in the standings, but also offensively, uh, Ithaca averaging 47.3 points per game, Union averaging 37 in second place. And the defensive side, Union on top with averages, averaging just 12.6 points per game and Ithaca averaging 15.1. So this seems like just it's just going to be a classic battle. Yeah, it's going to be a really good matchup. Uh, if our defense goes out there and, and continues to do what they've been doing, I have no doubt that we'll come out and win the game. Um, you know, as the leader of this offense, my my goal this year is to protect the football. I think if I can protect the football um, and our O-line can establish a run game, 
will come out with a W. Yeah, this year you're uh, averaging, you have a percentage completion of 67.7%. You've only thrown two interceptions. Uh, you threw seven last year. Now you're talking about protecting the ball. It's the fact you've only thrown two interceptions so far this season, is that uh, a sign that you're doing a, a great job protecting the ball? Uh, yeah, I think going into this season, I kind of, I kind of did some looking back to the past to see, okay, games we lost, uh, what were the variables of that? And I think in this game last year, I had four turnovers, so <clears throat> which resulted in we didn't win the league. So coming into this season, I, I made it a point. I wrote it on my freaking, I wrote it on a paper and put, posted on my wall, uh, saying protect the football and you'll win games. It's, it's got to be intimidating going to Ithaca. I mean, this team has been a good team for a number of years here. I mean, what do you have to do to not be nervous, not to be intimidated by uh, playing out there at Ithaca? Uh, you know, looking at this game, I kind of compare it to the game at RPI last year. Um, they were they were 9-0, number 14 in the country. Nobody really believed that we could beat them except for the people in this room. And I think I'm looking at this game the same way. Um, it's their senior day. They, they're home, and we got to go over there and take it to them. Uh, last year, we played them for our homecoming here at Union, and they shut us out. So I think that adds a little bit of fuel to the fire, and we're excited to go uh, make it happen on their field. How much fun is it? You mentioned it's been a long time since this program's been in this position, but how much fun is it to be in this position for the first time in a while? Oh, it's an awesome feeling. You know, coming in when they were recruiting me, um, they had just come off of an 0-10 season, um, and I saw it as an opportunity to come in, compete, and, and, and flip the switch for Union College. So with that being said, being in this situation now, it's a testament to all our hard work, um, not only as players, but our coaching staff does a hell of a job. And, you know, we've all bought in. And, and when you do that and you come together as a team, success is right there. What is the most important thing you have to do Saturday against Ithaca to, to win that game? I think we just have to play smart. Um, again, we have to protect the football. I think if, if we don't turn the ball over and we don't put our defense in bad situations, then we'll be successful. Yeah, talk about your year. I mean, what have you done to improve your game? I mean, we, obviously, we talked about protecting the football, but what else, other aspects of your game have, did you, have you improved on from your sophomore season? Um, say the biggest difference from my sophomore to junior season uh, thus far has been just attention to detail. Um, you know, last year, coming from Louisiana, being in a different environment, everything was still a little fast for me. The game was fast, school was hard, and just balancing all of that uh, was kind of a struggle. But now I, um, I have a better feel for the offense. I'm in the playbook. I'm watching film a lot more this season. And just having more chemistry with my players, I think that's a big factor in our success this year. And how important is that chemistry, knowing you know, where your receivers are, knowing when to you know, hand off the ball to the running back? Just talk about how important is that, that chemistry is. Yeah, so that chemistry is uncoachable. Um, it's something that we work on every day in practice, um, and it's just repetition. It's like muscle memory. When, when I'm on the field dropping back, being able to understand when or reading my receiver's body language or or IK when he turns and looks at me for the football. It, it just makes everything a little bit quicker and easier for me. Well, William, uh, good luck Saturday at Ithaca, and uh, maybe the Dutchman come out with a win and uh, towards the, get towards the Liberty League title. Yes, sir. Fire the cannon. <laughs> That's William Bellamy. Uh, we'll be back to wrap up the Party Shots podcast in just a moment. The Party Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today.
Hi, this is Daily Gazette News columnist Sarah Foss. Once again, I'll be going head-to-head with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott with my weekly NFL picks and defending my championship. Go to dailygazette.com slash blogs and look for my picks on my Thinking It Through blog. You can find Ken's picks at dailygazette.com slash sports. Back to wrap up the podcast, and as Sarah said, look for her NFL picks along with mine at dailygazette.com. I had an outstanding week eight going 13-1. My only loss was picking against my Philadelphia Eagles against the Buffalo Bills. Sarah also had a good week going 12-2. I'm 79-40-1. Sarah is 75-44-1. Also, look for my blogs on NFL and college football TV coverage this week. You can find it at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. If you're a college hockey fan, look for my weekly ECAC hockey faceoff selections at dailygazette.com slash sports slash parting shots. You can participate in the faceoff selections by emailing your picks to me at shots, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Union hockey beat writer Mike McAdam joins me on the next Parting Shots podcast that will be posted Friday. We'll look back at last weekend's games against RPI and look ahead to the Dutchman's two non-conference games this weekend at Kinesis. If you have questions about Union Hockey, Mike and I will answer them. Send your questions a shot at dailygazette.com. Also, I'll have a special edition of the Parting Shots podcast on Monday, previewing the Siena and UOD basketball seasons. Be sure to listen. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank my guest, Gazette Sports Editor Mike Kelly, former UAlbany Athletics member and Albany Colony Diamond Dogs General Manager Charlie Volker, the Athletics Joe Yerdon, and Union College Football Quarterback William Bellamy. The Party Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Download it today. Available for iOS and Android users in your app store. The Party Shots Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify subscribe today. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shots at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you next time. Good day, good sports.